Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So last week, we were looking at the, the call of Peter as he's called from uh, a life of being a fisherman to being a fisher of people. And Jesus was calling him to be uh, a disciple. And we continue our journey through Luke's gospel. And we jump a few sections from where we were last week. So a, a quick overview um, to, to get us to, to where we are uh, this morning. We see Jesus healing people. He takes himself away um, to spend time uh, with his Father in prayer. And as we looked at the, uh, at the midweek service uh, this week, we see Jesus is challenging the, the kind of status quo, the traditional uh, thoughts around the, the Sabbath um, and showing everyone that he is uh, the Son of Man, the Son of God. And then we come to our passage uh, today as Jesus is coming back down from another journey uh, up a mountain. And we've looked at that in the past of um, the idea of climbing uh, a mountain to get closer uh, to God in a kind of spiritual sense. We talk about those mountaintop experiences. There's always these amazing interactions that people have uh, with God, including Jesus as he is, uh, if we think of the, the, the transfiguration and the various other things. We had a tendency to climb the mountain to get closer to God and away from the, the crowds. And we read that he comes down uh, to, to call the, the, the rest of the disciples, that the 12 are complete. And then he continues to go on and heal and teach. And then we come to what we'll be looking at predominantly this morning, which is the, uh, the Sermon on the Plain. Now, we might have heard of the Sermon on the Mount, um, and this may well be the same sermon that, that Luke is writing down, um, maybe a smaller version of, of uh, the sermon that Jesus did on the Mount, but ultimately it doesn't really matter whether they're, they're separate ones or whether they're the same ones because the content is the same. We refer to this, uh, the content of this sermon as the, as the Beatitudes, um, Beatitude, uh, the Latin for the word blessing. And we hear Jesus start to rhyme off uh, a number of people that are blessed and those who are not. And we think of Beatitudes or blessings um, as some kind of divine favor. It's a divine favor that they come from God. Um, and the thing is, in Jewish culture, not unlike our own, we might think of someone being blessed or we might think ourselves uh, as being blessed um, when we think of maybe, you know, I've, we even say it, you know, I've, I've been blessed with a, with a long life. We use that language of thinking that a long life is a, is a blessing. It may well be. We might say, I feel so blessed I've had a happy life. 
or I'm having a happy life. It may well be feeling blessed that you have a happy life. We might think that a life that is filled with great material wealth um, is a blessing. It might be that we've never had to experience hunger and we see ourselves as blessed there too. But we might also find ourselves thinking that we're extremely popular. As I was saying earlier, that you know, if we can walk around a town and everybody knows who you are, that that's a blessing. That um, you, know, you can't go around the shop without people knowing who you are and various other things, that it would be a blessing. The thing is, though, as we come to the Beatitudes, as Jesus starts to speak, we realize that it's very, very different in the kingdom to how we would maybe think here on earth. He announces the, the first group of people who will be blessed. And he says, blessed are you who are poor. Jesus doesn't say rich. He says those who are poor. Blessed are those who are poor. poor. And the thing is, everybody thinks that this is Jesus elevating those who, who do away with material wealth, and there may well be something in that. But Jesus is saying those who are able to understand that they are poor in spirit, that it's not about material stuff at all. It's about being able to understand that we are poor in spirit and that we need that replenished. We need the, 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 the hole that is in our life to be filled, and it's only God that can fill that hole. You know, I've spoken about it before, that, that God-shaped hole that everybody has uh, in their life that only He can fill. So those that find themselves poor in spirit, they recognize in that need for Jesus in their life, and that is a blessing that they aren't blinded by the world, that they're able to recognize and see that they need Jesus in their life. That people are willing to humble themselves, to recognize that they can't do everything for themselves and that they need Jesus. In verse 20, it says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. You know, those who understand what it means to be poor in the spirit receive the keys to the kingdom, the, the kingdom of God. They have access to be living in the kingdom right now, that they have that insight to what it is to be someone living in the kingdom. And he continues this theme on in verse 21, where he says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. You know, it is quite right, Jesus got alongside people who were very physically hungry. We all need food to survive. But again, it's more than just the, the, the physical material thing that Jesus is looking at. There's a double meaning to what he's saying. It's more than just a physical hunger. It's again about this God-shaped hole in our life that Blessed are those who are willing and able to understand that they have this strong desire to satisfy their hunger, and that can only come from God. They might be hungry to hear more of God's Word being read out and, and preached. They might even be hungry enough that they want to spend time reading the Bible by themselves every day, being fed up. You know, 
out there on the, the table in the meeting place, um, there's a, a little booklet that I haven't seen for, for a while, and it's the, the, the Daily Bread booklets. You know, I don't know if anybody has done uh, those before, or, or, or maybe you still do them. Um, I remember spending time doing it. But spending time with devotions and, and, and spending time in God's Word every day, we have that hunger for it. It might be that we are filled with a hunger of wanting to, to spend time in prayer, spend time speaking with and hearing from God. You know, this, this hunger of wanting to go deeper in faith that we we want to enhance our relationship with God, that we don't see it as a kind of superficial thing that we, like I was saying last week and the week before, that it's not just something that we reserve for a, an hour and a half on a, on a Sunday, that it's more than that, that we have that hunger and desire to enhance that relationship. You know, blessed are those who hunger to be more like Jesus, to walk up that mountain, to take themselves away and spend time with their heavenly Father. You know, he continues on in verse 21 and he says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. You know, Jesus isn't suggesting that um, we are blessed if we are deeply upset that we find ourselves in that place of, of deep heart. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is referring to these tears of repentance, you know, that deep, that deep conviction that we've come to a place of understanding that we, we don't always get it right. Maybe that's just me. Am I the only person that doesn't get it right 100% of the time? Or a few people here that, that get it right? I know my wife gets things right more than I do. I'm told that. But we, we realize and recognize that we don't always get it right. We sometimes fall and fail. And these tears of repentance, it's that understanding that we need to receive forgiveness for a number of things that, that we do or say. But if we have that, that hunger for God, these are all connected. If we are recognizing that we need God, we are hungry for more of God, it's far easier to get to that place of, of being convicted of the sin that is in our life and that, that need for forgiveness. These tears of true repentance and that understanding of being forgiven is what Jesus is referring to, that we will eventually receive joy and we'll be able to laugh because we know that we are loved and forgiven. We're able to live in the here and now because of that knowledge that this isn't it, that we have access to an eternal life, that those tears would be turned into laughter eventually. That through our repentance and our understanding of what Jesus has done for us, we will get to that happier place. And Jesus ends this particular part in verse 22, and he says, Blessed are you, when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you and defame you on the account of the Son of Man. I don't know about you, but that last blessing seems a bit of a strange one for me. 
Why would we want people to hate us? Nobody wants anybody to hate us, right? I don't want to be hated. I don't want to be reviled. Certainly don't want people to defame me. But here's Jesus saying that if that's what happens to you, you're, you're blessed. You know, the thing is, we might think that being popular is the, is, is the blessing. We don't necessarily want to feel that we're blessed because we're being hated by people. But Jesus is saying that you will find yourself in a place where certain people will be against you because of your hunger and your desire for more of God. So that's the blessing that you're, that you're being recognized as a follower of Jesus because of who you follow, the Son of Man. There will always be people looking to knock you off your, uh, your, your perch and off your faith because the world hates the idea of God being in control. That's the ultimate fact. The world hates God having authority. And when we're on fire for God, people can see it. And we read throughout the Scriptures, and indeed Jesus references that those who are the closest to God when he speaks of the, the disciples, uh, the, the prophets, that they were persecuted by their ancestors. This is what happens to people who are close to God. So many people in the world, and if we are honest with ourselves, we can fall for, for this trap too. We tend to think that we can function um, without God in certain aspects of our life. Jesus is reminding us that we need to make sure that we are never looking for praise from human beings, that, that we should be always looking for praise from our Father in heaven, that, that human beings are fickle. And we might think that you're the bee's knees one day and then the next again day, something very, very different. It's then and only then that we will feel that blessing because we will receive the praise from our Father, not other human beings. But of course, our passage doesn't end here, and he continues on. He goes through those who will not receive blessing, but will receive woe instead. So verse 24, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. The problem with this particular verse is that we might immediately jump to uh, the fact that if anybody is materially rich, that somehow they are now excluded from the kingdom and that there's uh, no blessing. And that's not what Jesus is getting at at all. But he is saying that you've received your consolation, which means that you've received all that you will get um, in this world. As you rely on the things of this world, that's it. You can't go any further. You know, I immediately start thinking of the, the young rich man that we looked at during our Advent series. When we looked at discipleship and following Jesus. You know, Matthew was able to 
to follow straight away. But the, the young rich man, he, he, we, read, we read that he is very, very rich and he finds it a real struggle because he asks, what, what do I need to do to, to get into the kingdom? And Jesus says, you need to lay down your, your material wealth. And because he's very wealthy, we find that it's very difficult for him and he walks away refusing to do it. And Jesus says it's harder for a, a rich man to get into the kingdom than it is to put a camel through the eye of a needle. And it's not because of the person's material wealth. It's just that they rely too heavily on it. And when they do that, they see no need for God. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't ever say they can't get in. It's just it's really difficult. I don't know if you've ever tried to put a camel through the eye of a needle. It's quite hard. But I reckon that Jesus could do it. So he's not saying that, that you receive no blessing at all because you are uh, affluent or that you're materially wealthy, which is good because compared to so many people in the world, every one of us here is materially wealthy compared to other people in our world, our Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world. So it's a good thing. We maybe immediately, when we, when we hear rich or whatever, we might immediately start to think of people like Elon Musk and Bill Gates. But we, here in, in Scotland, are far more materially wealthy than so many people in our world. So this is for us too. This isn't just for the Elon Musks of the world. Because the thing is, we can all fall into the trap of placing our faith in material things the pursuit of material gain, that if we just had this or we just had that, then things would be fine. But we aren't able to recognize that we are then poor in spirit and need God in our life. If we're satisfied by the things of this world, then we forget we need Jesus. And if we forget this, then we don't go looking for him. We find ourselves walking away like the the young rich man did, the things that were holding him back. And he continues on in verse 25, where he says, Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Now again, those who have no need for Jesus in their life may well feel full at the moment. They might be okay with the material things that they have, and things are going well. But there will come a point, there will come a point where that stuff will, will fail to satisfy because it, they can never bring that lasting satisfaction. So many people go through life with, without a care in the world, with, with no regard to drawing all their pleasure from earthly things. And one of the biggest lies the culture tells us, and it's almost laughed off as a, as a throwaway phrase. And I remember it, it was, it's less popular now, which I'm happy about, but I kept seeing it everywhere. It was on T-shirts, it was on hats, it was online everywhere. And it's the, the phrase YOLO, which is Y-O-L-O, which stands for you only live once. And as I say, it was everywhere. And I'm so glad it's gone because 
Effectively, it's saying just do whatever you want. You only live once, and you might as well just do whatever you want. No consequences. Do whatever you like. And it was everywhere. Jesus is telling his disciples, and he's telling us, that that's just not true at all. There are consequences, and you don't only live once. You can choose to, or you can choose to live forever and have eternal life. There are eternal consequences to how we live. While things might be okay in that particular moment, they will change. You might not necessarily feel the need for for Jesus uh, in your life, but there will come a point where harsh reality hits and the realization comes that the things of this world will fall and they do not bring you lasting satisfaction and they certainly don't bring you salvation. He then continues, Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Jesus is addressing the, the cult of personality and popularity. We read that the ancestors had really held up the, the false prophets and the many mistakes that came from that. And the thing is, as human beings, we can get it wrong. You know, but we don't intend to get it wrong. We just, we're flawed and we, we sometimes get it wrong. We stumble so often, we place our hope and our, our praise uh, in, the, in the wrong direction at times. You know, how often have we seen people that we have held in such high regard fall spectacularly from grace? That we didn't know all of the details, but we placed our, our hope and our praise into politicians. Musicians, actors, indeed, church leaders. And through hooker by croup, we got it wrong. And Jesus is saying that we can find ourselves placing our values and our praise in the wrong places. And equally, equally, we can be puffed up when we fall for wanting to be popular, and as people start to praise us, we can start to take our eyes away from the, the, the one who deserves all the praise. And it usually leads to a dramatic fall from grace. And predominantly, we see it with famous people, but that's only because they're visible. But it happens all of the time. You have lost count of the amount of church leaders that, that have let me down. You know, I'm sure that you can think of some, some that are very well regarded and now I'm kind of at a loss as to what to do with the books that they've written, the, the sermons that, that really spoke to me, what did but it's not exclusive to those people who are, who are famous. You know, we need to be mindful that we can all fall from that, you know, that prideful behavior. We need to be on guard for it, that we don't try to puff ourselves up or allow other people to puff us up, that we 
We fail to nurture our relationship with God. You know, throughout this passage, we see this massive tension between what the, what the world tells us is, is of high value and, of course, what the kingdom is. And it's clear that we do live in that upside-down kingdom. You know, the things of the, that the, the world holds in high regard that we see are incredibly different. In fact, in some cases, more often than not, the exact opposite of what uh, is important in the kingdom. You know, the passage reminds us of uh, what true blessing actually looks like and what it means, that it's divine, that it comes from God. And it's very different to what we might think it would be. And the challenge to us is that we would live our lives um, going through it, that we would hold the, the world's values and attitudes in their rightful place. And we would always do it, and we would always do it in the light of the good news of Jesus, that we would look at things through that lens of the good news of Jesus, that we would always have the balance right, that we don't allow the world's values and attitudes to take over, that we would end up forgetting what the, the kingdom values were. So let's make it sure that we are humble enough to seek and realize our need for Jesus, that we would look to satisfy our hunger by going deeper in our relationship with him through reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, speaking with and encouraging other Christian brothers and sisters in our relationships with God, that we might find ourselves weeping those, those tears of repentance, that we would understand that we, we don't always get it right, and there are things that we need forgiven for, but that those tears of repentance would turn to joy as we recognize that we have a God who forgives us. So let's always rejoice that our, our chains have been broken, that forgiveness is granted and we can live our lives today in the kingdom of God. Because blessed are the poor in spirit, for ours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the hungry, for we will be filled. And blessed are those who weep, for we will laugh and feel deep joy. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your reminder to us that the things of this world are, are fleeting and can never bring us to that place of true and deep blessing. We thank you for your witness. We thank you for the work that you did on the cross to allow us access to our Father in heaven and the many, many blessings that are afforded to us as your followers. Lord, we pray that you would make us more hungry, more hungry for your word, that we would want to spend more and more time reading the Bible. We pray that we would be more hungry to to spend time in prayer, that we would want to connect with you, 
And Lord, by your Spirit, would you protect us from, from being too puffed up to, to not recognize when we're moving further and further away and relying too heavily on ourselves. Lord, please take our, our tears of, of sorrow over the things that we've done wrong and through your forgiveness might those tears be turned to tears of happiness and joy. The happiness and joy that is only found in you, our Lord and Savior. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.